0: Hi, I'm Curious City editor Susie Ahn. Ah, oh, hot summer, huh? Just about the right weather for an icy lemonade.
1: Oh, holy <laughs> is that good? That is sweet. <laughs> that is one sweet lemonade. Maybe I just got the
0: syrup at the bottom.
2: <laughs> it is sweet, though.
0: Lucky for you, this week, we're revisiting a story from a few years ago. It's when reporter Monica Eng tracked down the origins of a rainbow-colored lemony drink and its beefy steak sandwich companion. Then, have you ever noticed those house-like structures out on Lake Michigan? They kind of look like castles. I wonder what would happen if I tried to swim out to one.
3: There's uh, sirens and alarms that would go off. And, you know, the Coast Guard would probably be notified.
0: Okay, bad idea. Anyway, Monica finds out why the Coast Guard doesn't want you swimming around them. Plus, she gets the actual answer to the question we got. What are those things out on the lake? That's all coming up. Hi,
1: I'm Monica Eng, and I've covered food in Chicago for a long time. But some things have stumped me for years, like this one food mystery that's bugged question-asker Johnny Schulte. See, he's got a job that takes him all over the South Side.
0: And I would see these steak and lemonade places, and I was just kind of intrigued by why steak and lemonade.
2: Why and how and who and how it
0: came to be.
1: If you travel around the south and west sides of Chicago, you may have seen these places Johnny's talking about. They're fast food joints, usually painted yellow and blue, with the brand name Baba's or some variation on it. They started popping up around here about a decade ago. But as to Johnny's questions about who came up with the idea, I scoured the internet and found nothing on the combo's origins. What I did learn was that these joints have fanned out to Wisconsin, Indiana, Ohio, and even Louisville, Kentucky, where there's a whole chain called, get this, Chicago Steak and Lemonade. So this food combo represents Chicago in like five states, but still remains a mystery to many Chicagoans. To be honest, I wasn't even sure what steak here meant. Like T-bones, strip steaks, or what? I figured this was gonna take some old-fashioned reporting and eating. So I mapped out every steak and lemonade place from my office to Indiana, and I picked up Johnny. Hey Hey, Johnny, nice to meet you.
2: Great to meet
3: you, how are you?
1: Hi, I'm great, how are you? Wow. And we went on a mission to stop at everyone in our path till we had some meaty clues. Our first stop was a Baba's Famous Steak and Lemonade on the west side. And there we cleared up one part of the mystery pretty fast, what the combo tastes like.
2: It's incredible. Yeah, it's really good. Lots of flavors going on.
1: The, quote, steak turns out to be Chicago's version of a Philly cheesesteak with shaved beef, onions and peppers on a roll. And the lemonade, it's like this big lemon Slurpee with a rainbow of fruit syrup so you can get squirted on top. So first mystery solved. But who came up with this combo and where? We asked a cook there, also named Johnny, and he brought us into a storeroom.
2: Well, there was a guy that was doing uh, lemonades in California off a shopping cart, oh. you know what I'm saying? So when he came to Chicago, we just, just iterated the Phillies with the, the frozen lemonades.
1: These sounded like solid clues. Till his boss, Mohammed gave us a completely different theory about where the combo came from.
2: This Middle East.
1: Okay, where in the Middle East? Pardon. Jordan. Jordan, okay. And his name, the first guy's name was? Uh,
2: Hatham Lebedee.
1: Heissem Lebedee and he's a Jordanian. With these conflicting but promising clues, we traveled south to the next closest steak and lemonade joint to see if anyone there could confirm the theories. This one was called Firehouse Steak and Lemonade. We asked cashier Tanya Johnson if she knew anything about where the combo came from.
3: I want to say maybe Baba's was like the first steak and lemonade place around with the colorful lemonades and the steak. And then after them, they were just like everywhere. <laughs>
1: Tanya thought the very first Babas was over at 71st and Jeffrey in the South Shore neighborhood. So we headed there in hopes of finally finding the inventor. Instead, though, we found a friendly guy named Atala Atala, and...
3: I am not the first man who, invent, you know, invented uh, what they call uh, steak and lemonade. Somebody sold me this restaurant before. Okay. Yeah, yeah. He's Where is he now? In Joliet.
1: What's his name?
3: His name is Mario.
1: Mario. Okay, so Itala says Mario, but the other guy said the founder was them We drove to the next closest Babas at 71st in Michigan to see if someone could clear it up. And there we met manager Mwath Hamad, who did just that.
2: There's a guy, his name's Mario, uh, came up with a full estate, then lemonade together. And he opened the first door and the went really big and uh, huge.
1: Now the stories were gelling, and it sounded like the key was finding this guy Mario at a Baba's in southwest suburban Joliet. I called there and got a manager named Zahar. He said he thought he might just be able to get me a meeting with the big boss. So I grabbed Johnny for a second day of sleuthing. Hey, Monica. Ready to go meet Mario?
0: Let's do it.
1: After an hour of driving, we pulled up to a bright, sparkling, clean, blue and yellow babas and crossed our fingers. Hey, Hi, I'm Monica Eng with oh, WBEC. Nice
2: yeah, to meet you. you? Johnny. How are you? So let me call the owner. Okay. Mr. Mario.
1: Oh, so this is Mr. Mario. Yes, nice yes. Nice to meet you. Nice
2: to meet you. How are you? All right, good. thanks. Good, okay,
1: so is it all right if I set up some recording equipment? Turns out it wasn't all right. Mario just wanted to chat a little first. Then he disappeared into the kitchen and reappeared with this giant tray of fries, Philly cheesesteaks, and colorful lemonades. That we insisted on paying for. Finally, we sat down for the interview. Mario grabbed the mic and told us his real name.
2: My name is uh, Haitham Elabadi.
1: So the guy at the first place was right. And Mario, that's just a nickname he picked up from an Italian guy he worked with in Austria. But it turns out Mario didn't bring steak and lemonade from California or Jordan. Actually, it came from somewhere a little closer, like Country Club Hills in the south suburbs.
2: I open uh, this store like a uh, fast food not like five stars, just only like uh, one stars for the neighborhood or oh, I make like a uh, Phil steak, everything fresh from scratch. And uh, I make uh, the lemonade too, uh, uh, fresh uh, homemade lemonade from scratch too.
1: These two dishes ended up being his best sellers. So in the late '90s, Mario decided to market them together,
2: like dinner with with a drink.
1: And he thought they looked good on a sign, along with the word Babas, which means father in Arabic.
2: Easy name, simple name. And there's
1: your simple answer. By 2006, Mario had trademarked the name. He even showed us the document, and he decided to take his idea to the city where he opened his first Chicago Babas at 71st and Jeffrey.
2: And after I moved to 71st, Michigan.
1: Then uh, several more all eve, over the west side, south side, and south Indiana, suburbs.
2: Uh, 22nd Cermac, uh, Places
1: where rents were cheap, but copycats were springing up all around him.
2: A lot of people put Super Baba, Little Baba, Great Baba, and everybody want to steal the name.
1: Mario says he sold most of his places and kept just three Babas in the south and west suburbs where he pours his heart into his work.
2: I love my job in in my heart because anyone, he can cook the food, but when he work in his heart, he got a great job in uh, good food.
1: After we said goodbye to Mario, Johnny and I got back in the car, and I asked if anything about the final answer surprised him.
0: Basically just that it came from one guy's ideas to put two things that I wouldn't really put together, and it's a huge hit and people love it. I think that's probably the most surprising thing.
1: And after trying about 10 sandwiches and a half a dozen lemonades on our journey, Johnny was pretty satisfied.
0: As my great-grandmother always used to say, all you get out of life
2: is a bite to eat.
0: Now that you've got your icy cold lemonade and a tasty sandwich in hand, it's time to find a nice place to sit down, take in some fresh air, and chill all the way out workhorse monica ang that means hitting the lakefront where she'll tackle yet another curious city listeners question that's next after the break
1: One day, Aiden Singleton was biking with his mom, Danielle, near Wilson Avenue Beach when he saw something out in the lake.
3: And he said, Mom, what is that way out there? So we pulled out the phone, tried to search for structure out in the middle of the water in Chicago. Nothing, nothing came up. So he said, we should submit it to Curious City. Mm -hmm. Maybe we'll get an answer there. Yep.
1: They're talking about those things way out in the lake that look like houses. And I'm so glad they asked, because there have got to be a lot of lakefront users who are asking themselves this all the time. To get an answer for Aiden and his mom, I invited them back to the beach to meet Hello. Dick Lanyon. Hello. Lanyon's the retired chief of the Water Reclamation District, and he now writes books about Chicago's water system. So, Dick, what is that structure we're seeing off the shore here?
3: Well, that is the Wilson Avenue water intake crib.
1: This crib is actually one of six that remain in the Chicago area. But what exactly does an intake crib do? It
3: brings in lake water to the city for drinking water and firefighting and all the water that comes out of the tap. Chicago started building these tap water sources in the 1860s. And
1: Lanyon says they put them way out there for good reasons.
3: The shore water, back in the day these were built, was quite polluted. The city didn't enforce any regulations. There was a lot of open dumping along the lakefront. But even today, you know, you got bacterial contamination along the lakefront. So you go out farther where the water's clear and cleaner to get potable water for the city.
1: Lanyon explains that the water travels to the city through tunnels that are at least two miles long and built deep underground. So Aiden wanted to know how they built those tunnels back then. It
3: was hand dug, about five feet in diameter, lined with brick, clay that was hauled out through the crib or through the pumping station structure.
1: But Aiden also wanted to know something else. Why can't we go out there and see it?
3: Well, it's the same reason why your mom couldn't find anything on the internet about what those structures are. Because of Homeland Security, water systems are considered a critical infrastructure and you don't want to talk about it or advertise it in the case of terrorist problems.
1: If a sailboat started getting really close, what would happen?
3: There's uh, sirens and alarms that would go off and, you know, the Coast Guard would probably be notified. And if you stayed around, you'd be in trouble.
1: Yep, guarding active cribs that still bring water to the city is serious business. But the crib at Wilson Avenue is no longer active. It's actually a relic from another time. A time when our water was pumped straight from the lake to our taps. In 1945, the city did start filtering our water. But it all had to go through one of two main filtration plants.
3: Since we have only two water treatment plants on the lakefront, you only need two cribs. So the other cribs that don't
1: feed the two plants have just been sitting unused for decades. In 2015, the city released plans to demolish them. But more recently, Preservation Chicago has argued for them to be reused as restaurants or museums. Aiden even has his own idea for the Wilson Crib.
3: I think maybe we could use them for, like, building an airport out there where then you would sail into the city. And Chicago could finally
0: get that
1: third airport.
0: Thanks to Monica Ng for her reporting this week. For more Chicago hidden gems, check us out at wbez.org slash That's also the place where you can ask us questions. You see, Curious City is driven by questions from you. That means for us to do our job, we need a little help from your curious mind. Is there something about the city or region you'd like us to investigate? Maybe a neighborhood, an issue, or a strange phenomenon you just need to know more about? Well, head to wbez.org slash CuriousCity where you'll see a super simple way to drop us your question. Curious City is supported by the Conant Family Foundation. The show is produced by Jason Mark and Joe Dassault and edited by me. Adriana Cardona-Magigad is our reporter, Maggie Sivett is our digital and engagement producer, and Marie Mendoza is our podcast fellow. Curious City is a production of WBEZ Chicago and is part of the NPR network. I'm Suzy Ann. Thanks for listening. Before we start the show, we here at Curious City want to let you in on a little-known fact about WBEZ. 89% of all our funding comes from community support, including contributions from curious listeners like you. If this program has changed how you see Chicago, please consider supporting this program at wbez.org curious. Thank you.